Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Like the hip has more like sort of control over the whole body than like a hip. And it's very, it's much more intricate. Um, I feel like even when I, I described the pain, I could never pinpoint it. It was like somewhere so deep inside my hip, but the pain is just so bad, like. Like honestly, different level pain. Um, and the only thing I'll sort of describe is like imagine if you have a cut, yeah, and someone is just putting alcohol, salt, and putting their fingers in it. That's the sort of pain it felt mm. like. Um, so definitely a lot of like nights after games and stuff where I'm just at home crying to myself, just like my head's gone, and yeah. Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Beautiful Game Podcast. I'm with the main man, Dej. <laughs> what are you saying, my guy? I'm good, my bro. Happy to be here again. Um, another week of content, another week of consistency and another amazing story. So looking forward to this pod. No, definitely. I think this is the, the first pod we're recording post Nigel James. And I just want to like shout out everyone for the feedback because it's been amazing all the comments and all of that kind of stuff has really touched us. So we appreciate it. No, definitely. Even parents, a lot of parents have reached out to us and said that, you know what, that they're going to use that to sort of like as a guideline to speak to their kids, players as well, people in the women's game, the whole footballing community has like responded to it. So love and respect. No, definitely. I think before we introduce our guests, let me just quickly plug the socials at podcast underscore TBG on Twitter, TBG bot. <laughs> tbg pod on tiktok at pod underscore tbg on instagram leave a comment in the youtube subscribe to the channel like the video as obviously all the all the interactions and engagement helps us grow the channel and get bigger and be- better guests in the future the premise of this platform is to to interview all stakeholders at every single level of football. So I think this is a special one that we have today. 100%, as I was saying, that we want to speak to parents, managers, coaches, sporting directors, players that might have had injuries and they've bounced back or players that have had injuries and they've had to go into other ventures. So I think that one sort of ticks the box for today's episode. No, 100%. We're delighted to announce we are joined in the studio 
by Keith Asari. Welcome, welcome, thank welcome, you. bro. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you lot reaching out to me. And I'm just delighted to obviously tell my story and just for people to understand it a bit more and yeah, help other people. Yeah, I have people. to say as well, from the start, you've been a pleasure to deal with, you know, when we messaged and we communicated, class act, man. So, so love for coming on, bro. I appreciate it, bro. No, man, big up yourself, bro. Um, who is Keith? Myself. Who is Keith? I feel like I'm on a journey finding myself for sure. Um, I feel like I sort of started to ask myself that question whilst I was going through injury. Um, and I regularly speak to my brother, my friends about this because I feel like a lot of people, regardless where they're at, they're always going to try to find themselves and then ultimately find peace. So um, me, myself, I feel like my traits are I'm a hardworking person, very determined, motivated, um, funny, good character, <laughs> um, and just like like to live life. I'll definitely say so. Mm, so yeah. we saw your you on holiday over the summer, having like a hot boy summer, really enjoying yourself. So how was your summer? Uh, no, summer was great. Obviously, um, business wise was good, and it was also good to spend some time with some of my friends. And yeah, overall very good. So like initially we're going to start off with your football career because I think a lot of people in the industry like will know you from your young career. So like yeah. if you don't mind, just talk to us from the very start of your start. your footballing journey. The very start. Um, take it back to primary school. I remember, I'm not sure whether it was like year three or something where I remember one summer me, me and my brother would just go to the park and play literally every day from like 1pm to 10pm every single day. And I remember I came back to school after um, the summer break and I said, guys, let's play a game. I remember I just went past everyone, kept scoring, kept scoring. Um, and that sort of gave me the motivation to just continue going, continue pushing. Um, big shout out to Callum when I was younger. He was a coach. He used to literally train us in the park. And Joe Shields as well, who works at Southampton. Oh, yeah, he was at yeah. Man City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was very good to me. Um, definitely tried to push me in the right direction and starting off with uh, Sunday league teams I, I was at junior elite uh, arguably one of the best Sunday league <laughs> ever like our team was something else we won everything every year all the time mm. um, obviously they produced players like Emil Smith Rua Aaron Bissaka um, oh Colin yeah, yeah, Colin yeah 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 because yeah. he was my coach at Palace funny enough yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mad <what? laughs> That must be back in the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was there for like two years. Um, I remember I used to play left back, and then one 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 day, um, I forgot the, the coach's name. I forgot his name, but he's still there. Junior league, he put me centre midfield. I remember that game. I just bossed it, played, and then I signed for um, Fulham. Uh, probably at the end of that season, which I was there. Um, Fulham. I was there for around two years, but Fulham was like, at that time, I wasn't the player I am today, or I was when I just finished my career. I was sort of a simple player, just pass it left, right, left, right, left, right. Um, so I ultimately ended up leaving there. I had like two years out of the game where I was just uh, at Masali, which is sort of like a place where people go to, to try get themselves back into a club. Um, Ones of Town, they helped me sort of get trials here, there. And then ultimately just came down to South End after 
uh, Masalik played a game against them. Um, I scored like a hat trick. We won uh, like three one or something, and then wow. there they just offered me a contract straight away. So how old were you then? How old was I? Uh, I would have been like twelve, thirteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would have been like twelve, thirteen, roughly around then. Um, and at that time, I was very like, like unsure about joining on. Um, unsure about joining Southend. Um, I was thinking, oh, do I want to play this low? Because obviously, I see all my friends <laughs> play at Chelsea, Arsenal, this and that. So I was thinking, oh, should I take that step? Then after speaking to my parents, they said, yeah, just take it, do what you need to do, and you'll be gone soon. So yeah, wow. so it's actually mad because obviously um, you you went to Southend. It was mm-hmm. probably like a difficult decision at the time, mm-hmm. but I just want to scroll back a bit, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. in regards to when did you realize that you have something, right? Because obviously all your boys are Chelsea, Fulham, wherever. So what age did you realize that? Hold on, um, I'm up to mm-hmm. something here. I think it was when I came out of Fulham that I sort of thought that, yeah, if I keep this sort of ability, work on it, then I can actually do something with it. And then when I got to South and I just felt like I was just playing with freedom, just enjoying myself every week. Then it just made things very simple. I remember I came in South End, um, was playing up like two, three years. Um, I even trained with the first team. So, Southend was where I sort of really loved football, you know. Um, Ricky Duncan was there, great mm. guy, great, great guy. Um, he proper looked after me like, like I was his son, like proper. Um, because obviously that time I was young, I was going training by myself. It's like, what, 11, not 12-ish? Going training by myself, Southend. But it was, it was good though, because we had a good group. There was like 10 of us from London that okay, would yeah, all sort yeah, of yeah. get on the train or later on there'll be a bus which everyone would go on. So... It was quite a good family, but then as like time went on, the group went down and down because people get released and things like that. So there ended up being like three of us. But yeah, I'll definitely say at Southend was where I sort of developed to another level. Yeah, there was an interesting story that I saw that you were playing in the FA Youth Cup yeah. game, but you were underage. Mm-hmm. So the game had to get replayed yeah, yeah, yeah. because of you. So like, explain that situation. Um, to be fair, I don't know on Southend's behalf, but on mine, <laughs> I, was, I was just doing my thing, yeah. playing well. Um, and yeah, it was a great, great opportunity for me. Um, I think that sort of scaled me to another level when it came to like other clubs in England or even abroad. Um, but yeah, it was it was an enjoyable day. I'm, I'm surprised they even were allowed to play it again. I thought the other team would just go through it, but yeah. it's, it, it just shows the confidence they had in me and... I appreciate that for sure. So for context, what age were you playing in the game? Because I know FA Youth Cup is what, 15, 16? I think I was 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so you're playing like two years above. Yeah, probably like two, three, four years. So how did you find that in terms of like physically? Because I know obviously different people get different like growth spurts yeah. at different times. So could you handle it? Were you like a ringer or... or yeah. <laughs> no, me? I like African food. Yeah. African food is strong. It keeps us good. Like empathy. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, I've always been a strong guy yeah. for my age. Um, so I didn't really see it like that. And I feel like I'm a quick learner. Mm. Football, life, everything. Show me something. And in, a, in like a short time, I'll be able to adapt. So I feel like just like that. I think this is this chat is interesting because obviously you said that you were at Fulham, mm-hmm. but you're like you are simple. Yeah, 
So what made you come out of your shell when you went to South End? What was it about that environment that? No, definitely. I feel like, I just feel like I was just more free. I feel like because of the level I was at, I was like, well, what's there to lose? I'm just here mm-hmm. having fun. And I feel like a lot of people should have that mindset, like playing football, like you're playing for yourself. Just what's the worst that can happen? Someone can shout at you. Just play, enjoy yourself. Mm. For sure. So in terms of like Fulham would you, or South End, should I say, would yeah. you say you're almost like a big fish in a smaller pond, whereas Fulham, mm. it's almost like, oh, Fulham, this is a Premier League team. Mm. Oh, like, mm. I don't want to misplace a part. Yeah. So South End is like, the shackles off. Let me let me enjoy it. No, definitely. Yeah, I definitely feel that, like that. And how they treated me as well. I feel like personal relationships are really important in any sort of business in life. Um, the relationship that I had with the older players, they loved me. Um, the staff, um, yeah, it was like honestly like a pleasure to be at Southland for sure. You were saying um, that there was a lot of clubs circling after yeah. you after the the game for Southland in the FA Youth Cup. Mm-hmm. So like, how was that for you, just a young guy getting all of this attention? Like, what sort of teams were sniffing around um, at that time? Probably like most of the clubs in sort of Champ and Premier League. Um, I remember that time I had an agent of like 13 when I was there um, and they were just saying this is come here's coming he's coming to watch um, so but I never really felt the pressure I was just having fun literally enjoying myself um, and even not not to forget um, I got offered my scholarship at 13 at Southend um, this was like two weeks after being there they just said take the scholarship <laughs> actually no was it two weeks or after the game one of them one of the two offered me a scholarship and I was like very hesitant to take it and I just thought why not let me take it then I was gone within 12 months after that so gone from South End yeah. to wow so yeah so how do you come to that decision making process that you know there's a queue of clubs after mm. my services why was it Nottingham Forest Nottingham Forest like I said the personal relationship um, we played a game, game against Nottingham Forest um, at their ground had a great game, played very well. <laughs> after that, um, after that, I was speaking to the players prior, so I formed a good relationship with like a few of the players. So joining joining there was like joining home, and mm. the people there just made it feel good. Mm. So was you aware that there was like a long-standing interest in terms of like Forest wanting you from early? Is was that the case, or was it one of those ones that you played against them? Then after that, you had relationships. I feel like playing against them escalated things. Okay. Because um, South End, I saw a pre-season, plan, pre-season schedule fixtures was to play against all the big clubs because obviously a club like that is to sell players and they have a track record of doing it. Mm. So I feel like that just escalated things a bit quicker. Mm. So in terms of obviously like going to Nottingham Forest, was that a smooth transaction or was the club a bit sort of obviously bitter in terms of losing you? or How, how did that sort of go? Um, no, it was very smooth. Ricky just called me and said, like, the office came in, um, you can go up to see the ground, whatever, with your family. They were very supportive of South End. They didn't really hold me back. I remember a lot of people used to say, oh, you sign your scholarship, it's going to be so hard for you to leave, but if you're good enough, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then, yeah, moving up there was, at the start, was a bit hard, definitely. Um, definitely homesick, because obviously I'm 14 and away from my family. I remember I used to live with a host family. Oh, like Diggs? Not like, there was a Diggs, but I was too young for the Diggs. Okay. So I had to stay with a host family. And that process was quite a bit long. Um, but yeah, at the start, it was quite hard, but then I got used to it. So when you were moving up, I think, again, this is good for parents or younger players. 
did you sort of, what's the word to say? How did you sort of acclimatize to getting up to that that new area? Hard question. Um, I'm a very social person, my personality. So I think it, it is a case by case thing. Um, but me, I, I'm very interactive and sort of know how to adapt. Um, but um, for anyone else, I would just say try stay there for as long as possible, just so you can have that feeling that I live here, not have the support going back to London all the time. Mm. Um, and yeah, just think about the long term picture that I'm here to be a footballer. Like, focus, be dedicated, and that's it. So obviously, you sound for, for Nottingham Forest. What 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 your family saying at the time? No, they they were they were very happy for me. I remember when they first offered me the contract, it was like a proper like we trust you, we believe mm. in you, we know you're gonna get to the level that we want you to get to. So it was a it was a good decision by everyone because we had the safety from the club, protection, and the trust which most people want and need. Mm. So in terms of your journey at Nottingham Forest, like I remember seeing headlines of. Mm. Your next up, yeah. it was you, Brennan Johnson, Alex Mighton. Like there was a few of that young sort of generation. Cause I think before that you had the Matty Cashes. Yeah. So there was like a huge track record. So talk to us about that sort of youth team at Nottingham Forest. No, our age group was one of the best, like 100%. <laughs> yeah. Especially looking back at it as well. I missed the times to, together with the guys. Um, But the age group was good. We had Arvin, Brennan, uh, yeah. um, Jaden Richardson still playing now. Riley Harbottle, Josh Shelby, Josh Barnes, um, Will Swan, um, Alex Martin obviously played up, then Ethan, Ethan Deco, he played up as well with us. So the team was very strong. Mm. Um, I just regret our FA Youth Cup run because not everyone was fit for it. So we didn't necessarily push to the level we need to push to, but the squad was fun. And obviously we had a school sort of football program where we'll go to school in the morning, then train from like afternoon to the evening. So we proper became a family, like that, that age group, because they've done it specifically for us as well. Okay, why was that then? I think they just wanted to maximise us as much as possible. Oh, so yeah. they changed the programme from what they initially had just yeah. for... Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay, I know Reed was your manager as well. Yeah, yeah. Because he was an ex-player. I remember yeah. he used to have a wand of a level at Tottenham, yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah. Stocky, sort yeah. of, yeah, I remember him still. So obviously you're flying, your name's ringing bells at Nottingham Forest. What happens next? At what age? 15, 16. 15, 16, 15, 16. So 15, 16, I was doing well. I remember for my age group, I was doing well. And then that's when I had my first big injury. I broke um, my left leg. I remember in a game against Barnsley. I think that was my 18th debut. Yeah, 18th first start, sorry. Mm. And I was having a great game, very well. And then... I was just running for the ball. Um, then literally, I, I kicked the ball, ran for it. And then as I was going to take the next touch, my foot got stuck in the ground and he took me out. Then literally, my bone was pop, popping out. So it was, it didn't even hurt. I remember I just looked at I thought, what's going on? I just screamed, put my head down. And then, yeah, that kept me out for like five, six months. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, and again, injuries is something that Mm -hmm. I think us as fans and people don't really realise the sort of effect it can have on a player. Yeah. So as that being your first serious injury, what sort of effect did it have on you? I think at that time I was quite, I was young, so mm. I wasn't really too bothered about it, as in mentally didn't affect me. 
Um, I had a good support group of people. Um, still young, still learning. Um, so I feel like that was good. My friends helped me a lot because I'm a person which like, I'm either extroverted or very introverted. Yeah, so yeah. if you catch me at one one stage, then I'm going to stay in that stage. So I was a sort of extrovert. So I always want to have people around me. Um, always want to make sure I can talk to someone. So I feel like that, that was a good experience for me. Because what's key is that you're away from home. Mm. So after getting that injury, did the club sort of, I don't know, bring family up? Or how yeah, did you yeah. sort of like connect to uh, yeah, your loved the, one? The family, my family came up. Um, they were there for a few days. That was good. Um, sometimes just seeing your family, just a fr um, breath of fresh air. Mm. Just seeing them. And obviously I, I had younger siblings then, so I didn't really see them grow. I just sort of saw, every time I saw them, wow, you're bigger. Yeah. Wow, you're bigger. Wow, you're bigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it was good to see that. But then my host family at Nottingham Forest was like, they were very good. Um, I think I spoke to her not too long ago. Um, oh, so you're still in contact? Yeah. I'm, wow. I'm a person that like, if I know you and you've done well for me, I'm not mm. going to like hide away I from you. Yeah, like, for I respect that, bro. Like when I go Nottingham, I try to sort of do a route where I see everyone yeah. one by one. Um but yeah, definitely, it was good. So obviously you're um, recovering from the injury, set you back, what, five, six months, yeah. you said? Talk to us about that sort of road to recovery. Road to recovery then. Um, that road to recovery, to be fair, my ankle, even in the cold, I still feel it to this day. Okay, yeah. Yeah, when it's like proper cold in the winter, my ankle will stiff up. But the road to recovery was good. I sort of enjoyed the hustle, especially when you could see the end picture, you know? Like the first stage, you can't do nothing. Second stage, start getting your feet. Um, you start running, get on the balls, back back to the pitch, you know? And I remember like first session back, I was just so hungry. Yeah. So hungry to just impress, do well. Because like the player I was then, it's like skills make everyone like, excited mm. you know what i mean but did that did that sort of like change you that injury because you hear it a lot of times after having a long-term injury players are almost fair for going into tackles and all of that kind of stuff so did that have any sort of detrimental effect on you um not necessarily not regarding like sort of fear and anything mm. um i do believe it does take a while for you to get back to where you was even if you're like playing well you know certain things aren't right um so i do feel like you do need a period in between where you're not too hard on yourself mm. and obviously the manager or club needs to understand that as well which gives you that sort of uh, protection and security that you know that I can still go out and perform so like after that you come back from injury you're flying again that doesn't knock you back and your name's ringing bells at Nottingham Forest mm. there's teams like Dortmund they're mm. interested in you mm. so like explain to us that period where you were just absolutely dominating the youth scene I feel like it was uh just before like I was turned 17 so obviously I had a pro from when I joined um, so it was just sort of making the right decision for the next step and I was enjoying my football and enjoying that Nottingham Forest so it was just the best decision to stay and yeah and so not in, um, so Dortmund were interested right before you got your pro yeah like around that time yeah okay so like in terms of your agent did you sort of was that of interest or you were like, you know what, I'm, I'm calm here. It was sort of just interest there, you know, sort mm. of like if, if anything was to go down, then it would be a possibility, but nothing firm like on the table, you know what I mean? So was there any other clubs as well at that time sniffing mm. around? Not that I can be 100% sure on, you know. Mm. 
I feel like at that point I was sort of proper focused on my football. Um, just trying to make the best decision for, because obviously that's that's what every kid mm. wants, you know, the first pro contract, and then obviously the hardest is to secure the second, third. Oh. Yeah. So even talk to us about getting your pro because you started off at Fulham, mm. took those two years out, yeah. went to Southend, went to Nottingham Forest. You're getting your yeah. pro, so like explain to us how that made you feel, your family, your loved ones, friends. Um. Because I remember when I signed for Nottingham Forest, they gave me like a long contract, like eight years. Jeez, that's... No, it's seven wow. years. What, on the Chelsea, like on the Chelsea thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and so, that, that was just something So else. what age? So that was at... Like 14. So they gave you a seven? Yeah, until I stopped playing. A year before I stopped playing, yeah. Wow. So maybe what's that, six years, seven Something like that. Yeah, yeah, in and yeah. around. So that's really unheard. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> so, so if, if a club's giving you that, you're just you're, you're saying yeah. So I'm a bit confused. So like you're saying at 14, you yeah. signed a seven year deal, right? Yeah. So in between that, was there any other new deals? In between, yeah. Obviously, when it comes to the, your new contract, obviously you can re, mm, re- mm, mm, mm. negotiate. Um, but it's just sort of the security which okay. we offered you this for this time. Mm, that's very yeah, yeah i've never heard that but <laughs> so in terms of signing your um pro deal what was the sort of integration into the first team so once you signed were you in the first team like training no. with them or no it wasn't it wasn't as simple as that i feel like there was a couple of things holding me back from proper pushing to the next level um and yeah it was just more sign your pro just push on keep going keep going keep going and eventually will come yeah Okay, so was there like a roadmap? So you've signed your deal at 14. For the next year, you're going to be up in the 18s, 21. Or how, how? I think football can never have a road plan, you know. Mm. I feel like it's very, what's the word? Unpredictable. Yeah, and sort of yeah. unpredictable and it's not really in your hands anyways, mm. you know. So what was holding you back? What was holding me back? That a deep one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. Because mm. before, I would say the managers, the coaches, but since stepping out of football, you get to realise or understand that you have to take full accountability. Mm. So the ability was always there. No one could ever question my ability. I remember it came to a stage where I wasn't working hard enough. I remember that. And then I addressed that. And then sort of consistency. Then I addressed that. Then my big injury happened. So it was like, I was just there, then come down, then there, then come down. So it's like, literally, so close. But it's an interesting thing that mm. you've just mentioned. So you got a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the back of your mind, obviously you might not say it, but is there that sort of complacency that, geez, I've got six years, so mm. the hard work has almost been done. Is there a bit of that? Subconsciously, a little bit. But um, I remember I had some like, Olders that would always speak to me and be like, you have all the ability in the world. Like, you need to work harder. You need to push more. Because not for us, we run a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. we work. <laughs> so it took me a while to sort of accept that. And I feel like if I accepted that earlier, things would be would have definitely been different. Um, and yeah. So were you like one of the guys where everyone like, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, yeah, you're going to... So like so. that, does that kind of, I don't know, seduce you into thinking, you know what? I just have to keep fit, keep playing, then I'm going to get to that level. I just, I feel like at that age, I didn't understand what hard work was, you know. I loved to be on the ball, didn't like to run. Um, 
just give me the ball to my feet and I'll do my thing. You know oh, okay, I mean? so a bit of like a luxury player. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I remember one coach used to, used to um, tell me that if you want to be a luxury player, you have to be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Like unbelievable. Then occasionally you might not have to get back, mm-hmm. um, but until then, you have to work. So obviously you're you're at Forest, and you mentioned it earlier. You suffer your big injury. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that moment. Um, that moment. So I remember I just kept having some pains in my in my right hip. You know, just sort of you're training, and after you feel something, um, you told the, you told the physios, but they'll just be like, "Oh no, it's nothing serious. Just ice it, then you'll be good." Then it just kept building up, building up. To the point where, like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I can't play. I remember we had, like, back-to-back games. Tuesday and, like, Friday. I played the Tuesday game. I played well, even though I'm, like, hurt. So I play again the next game. After, like, 30 minutes. I have to come off. Can't do this. And then, obviously, I get my scan. But the scan is sort of like a... What's the word? Ambiguous, is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, So we don't really know what's going on. Um... And then we have another scan, and then that's when he says, "Yo, you can't put any pressure on this hip. Be on, be on crutches from now on." And then that's when it sort of like picked up in my mind that I knew that this is a big injury. So, in terms of the injury, was it sustained while playing, or was it just something like a pain that just developed over time? Playing over time, yeah. So a bit of both. Okay. Yeah. So obviously you, you you got a scan and they said this is a serious injury. Mm-hmm. What was the initial like diagnosis? Um, the initial diagnosis was hip bone marrow edema, um, a torn labrum, a regular shaped hip bone. Um, then obviously just the mobility the mobility side wasn't the best. So just like a lot of things in just one place. Mm-hmm which just built, built, built up over time. Oh, and this was something that you had complained before? Yeah, yeah, Like months prior, weeks prior or? Months probably, yeah. Okay, and they just sort of said that, you're okay, yeah, like before, just yeah. ice it yeah. sort of thing. And how how long did they say that that, that was going to rule you out for? Um, That was that was quite frustrating for me actually because I always want to have like a, like a plan, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it was very unpredictable for that. Um... So the first one was, I'm trying to make it as precise as possible. So I had my scan. Oh, I had my scan. Then I went went out to Spain to see Arvin. Um, oh, yeah, one, one of, of your boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was there for like a week. Um, then I got back. Then I had the, the second scan that said it was going to be bad. Then I went back to Spain because obviously they said, you can't do nothing. Just have some time off. Then you'll be good. Then I come back. Then it's covid Oh. You know what I mean, so that's the COVID time, um, but COVID time was when I became a monster, like mentally, something else, like being by myself, it changed me, for the better. So when you say a monster, like yeah. what can you break that down? Like my mindset sort of shifted. I was doing things which I I never used to do before. So we lived up in Loughborough. My brother used to go uni there. So mm. we just thought we're, we're in London doing nothing. Let's move up to Loughborough. I'm, I'm going to stay in his uni house. His flatmate's not there. Let me go there. So back then, I'd wake up at nine, do like little stretches, be in bed for the rest of the day. So that was my norm. And then my brother got onto me. He was like, what are you doing? There's so much things you can be doing. Sorting out what you eat. Um, educate yourself. Educate your mind. So then 
my routine just changed. Um, obviously, big thanks to my brother for that. So I started to implement meditation. Oh, yeah, in my yeah, life. yeah. Um, meditate every morning and started reading as well. Uh, reading was a big factor. It helped me not only on football and outside of football as well. So when doing them two, I sort of, obviously when I read, I make loads of notes. Like on my phone, the notes are just loads. I think I'm on like 42 books now. Jeez. Um, so are these like personal development books or like, is it... It's sort of shifted. So me before, I used to hate reading. Like, do not give me a book. I will I'll look at the page or the pictures if it's a picture book. Pictures and throw away. <laughs> um, but the first book I read was David Goggins' Can't oh, Hurt Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. like a really powerful story, yeah. which can shape anyone's life. You know what I mean? I it feel turns like, you into like a dog, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. But I feel like he's an extreme. You're, yeah. You're, everything has to be a perspective to you and your situation. You know? Yeah. Like, I even I remember once, like, he broke his leg in a marathon mm. and used some tape, taped <laughs> it back and ran the rest. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, that's him, man, and you have to respect what he does. So I feel like I had that time to myself. Um, I was alone, isolated. We had, we had good schedules in the day. We would wake up at the same time, have breakfast. Everyone would work. Um, I would work on my hip. And then I would be going back and forth for scans as well. And yeah. So during that period, when you were going back and forth for the scans, was there like improvement? Was it was the um, progress going as you would have liked? Or what was the message you were getting from the club? The progress wasn't the best. Um, yeah, it wasn't the best to be fair. Oh, I forgot to even mention before the COVID where we was doing that program, I had a time at Coventry, Univer- Coventry Hospital where I had a blood effusion. Yeah. It's where they normally treat for like um, frostbites and stuff, yeah. where they sort of pump blood into oh. one area. To Very tr- painful. It's not, it's not not necessarily painful. You're yeah. just sick all day. Yeah, I think Josh De Silva had, mm. had one of those. Oh, yeah. Well. When he had a oh, hip yeah, issue. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Because you have a mutual Marcus, Marcus McGuin. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was at yeah. Forest, which, yeah. And he was saying it's like the same thing. Okay. So I was there for like a week. And every day you just throw up, wake up, throw up, wake up, throw up. Like that was a hard time. And I appreciate everyone that came to see me at that time because I was really going through it. Um, yeah, so. That's that's actually yeah. mad because I'm just thinking if that was me in that situation, I'll think, you know what, Poof, I might have to quit this football thing. Mm. That's, that's how I'll be thinking mm. personally. No. What was you thinking? I remember I came there with my Bible. Mm. I would read it every day. Throw up. You can't eat as well as hospital food. Like, it's not nice. I need some <laughs> jello fries, chicken, <laughs> plantain. Like, I need it to yeah, be nice. Yeah, um, yeah, but I feel like that that was like a very tough period for me. Uh, just being there by myself. And obviously, you're really sick. Don't feel well. Because obviously, they're literally pumping like poison into your, into your body. Like, you sit there all day with something up your your vein yeah. and it just goes through you for i think it's 12 hours a day wow. so yeah. what made you do it because they wanted i feel like my injury was a thing where it's just trial and error because they really didn't want to do surgery so they wanted to do everything around it before surgery surgery is like the last option so they've done the blood effusion and had to wait 12 weeks and if there's improvement and if there isn't then the surgery so that surgery, what was it? What would it have been if, if you did take um, it? Did you have surgery? Yeah. It, um, I had surgery after, yeah, because that didn't work. Okay. Did you ever think maybe 
for example, like we see Andy Murray in tennis, he's got a metal hip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you ever consider something like that? Um, I feel like we can touch on that later on because um, it was part of, it was like towards the end of my injury where it's decision time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but at that stage, the main thing was just not to have surgery because they know that if you go into somewhere like the hip, it might not always recover the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always at the back of my mind. So I just prayed that everything that um, happened would work. Um, so was this like a big sort of operation because your hair so I think when we had Charlie Masunda he was saying that there was a slim to none chance they would ever play football again because mm. the hip seems to be an area that it can be sorted it's mm. not the most it's not like a knee where or like how, how did they I feel it? like the hip has more like sort of control over the whole body than like a hip and it's very it's much more intricate um, I feel like even when I, I described the pain, I could never pinpoint it. It was like somewhere so deep inside my hip, but the pain is just so bad. Like, like honestly, different level of pain. Um, and the only thing I'll sort of describe is like, imagine if you have a cut, yeah, and someone is just putting alcohol, salt, and putting their fingers in it. That's the sort of pain it felt mm. like. Um, so definitely a lot of like nights after games and stuff where I'm just at home crying to myself just like my head's gone and yeah but the injury I mean the surgery itself I wouldn't say it was a massive one because it was just a keyhole surgery mm-hmm. so it was just sort of um, eliminating the sort of little factors around the hip but still the risk that it might not be where it needs to be So obviously, like, you do the blood infusion, you do all of these stuff, you're trying everything to get back fit. Talk to us about after. It, was there ever light at the end of the tunnel? You know, it was, yeah. So, like I told you, the whole pandemic situation where I sort of elevate myself yeah. mentally, um, that helped me with my rehab. I would, like, I would always go hard in the gym, always. Um, and that this sort of uh, mindset shift um, happened just before the injury as well because I was having a very good run of games, um, playing well, scoring, assisting. Then obviously the injury, then you have to sort of rebuild yourself. Um, then when I had my rehab, I was going hard, doing well, got back in the pitch, felt great. Honestly, felt great. Okay, so after the hip, you, yeah. you got back, yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah, I felt great. I was in great shape, felt fit. Then, remember the first game, uh, Notts County came on for like 15 minutes, scored a winner. That was very emotional. Um, Girls sales out for like 13 months. Coming back to score the winner, it meant a lot to me. And obviously, the I remember what came back to the change room and the boys just gave me a round of applause. It meant a lot. And then, literally, a week after that, it builds back up, start to feel it again. So at that point, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, oh, oh no, not this again? Like I've just worked hard to get yeah, back. I've poured thing. my heart and soul into this, and these things happen again. Yeah, it's just tough. You feel like, oh, what's going on? Why me? Um, then you just have to accept it. Um, sort of training, training like not fully, not my full capacity. Um, game day is not my full capacity so are the coaches and the club aware at this point that you had the, yeah. the reoccurring pain yeah, yeah, yeah for sure and obviously there's certain things that they've done to help me 
will try to help me like compression pants because like one thing I used to hate is at half time because when you get in the change room you're cold and when yeah. I'm cold my hip is done so I sort of you know my toes have the compression pants then obviously the doc- um the physios will give me um paracetamol ibuprofen and things like that just to help with the pain so obviously the pain comes back but you're manage- managing to get through training sessions yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff when does this escalate again to the point where you can't train when does it escalate um i think when i spoke to one of the we had a psychiatrist at the club and i remember after training we just spoke to her and said like i can't do this literally i can't be trying to force myself to be something that I'm not obviously all feel away that I'm not feeling so after that had another scan and then showed it's gone worse so that was when it was like boom worse than before when yeah. you initially yeah mm-hmm. and then this is when it sort of picks up fast because I'm having scans re- regularly and then we had the sort of penultimate um, meeting with the doctor then he was saying um just outlining all the steps that could happen, um, obviously. Um, and at that point, it's one of my last sort of couple of months of my contracts. Bearing in mind, the, but obviously I'm a bit chill because the club have already said that we'll offer you another contract, don't worry. we see you for the future. But obviously in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what's going on? Because I remember uh, the head of academy there said, we're going to offer you the contract. Then like three weeks came, went back to his office, said, yeah, don't worry. Another couple of weeks come, don't worry. So I'm thinking like, what's going on? And then the news hit at the last sort of Zoom call we had, because obviously it was quite a long distance to go to Coventry back. Then he just basically said that um, you have a big decision to make. Um, Obviously the hip's not improving the way that we like it to improve for the sort of level of football you want to play at. I remember this like like it was yesterday. At At the training ground, I had my car back then and the doctor said carry on playing football now and risk being in a wheelchair um, in the next five years or stop now and live well um, have the ability to play with your kids in the park and live a normal sort of life of mobility and then I remember I just went in my car and just cried for like three four hours just there I remember I started crying when it was light and by the time it was done it was dark um, and that sort of hit home. I remember I went to see Brennan's family because they, they proper took me in like family. They were like really good. So I just felt comfortable going there. I just told them the news. And then they were obviously devastated by it. Then shortly went home. Bear in mind, I'm still on crutches then as well. So I was probably on crutches, let's say in that two year period for 20 months, so like four months without crutches. So, yeah, when I heard the news, yeah, it's something else, to be fair. Even think about it now, it's just sort of, I'm so, like, thankful and blessed that where I am today, you know, because I feel like it is a testimony I can share with other people that are going through very bad situations. So I remember after that, um, come back to England, I mean, come back to London, sorry, uh, back in London. Bearing in mind, I haven't lived at home for... Six, seven years. Yeah. 
come back home to my family house. Um, that wasn't that wasn't the best because me like sometimes I actually just be by myself, you know. Because I remember I told you um, the shift sort of happened during the injury. Because I remember my injury, like I got so comfortable with myself. Like I feel like when you're injured, you sort of appreciate more things and appreciate from certain people as well that you trust. So when it wasn't from certain certain someone, I didn't want to be around no one. You know what I mean? And mm. Sometimes they weren't always available, so I got so comfortable with myself and being in my own zone that I knew, that where I know I can develop and become the better person I want to be in the future. So I remember I went back home, I sold my car. I remember that I sold my car just before I went on holiday. Um, came back from holiday, went back home, living back back at my mum's, struggling with everything. Like obviously back home, I want to support my mum because. That, that that's what we're trained to do in sort of mm. our, our community you know obviously doing that before so I want to continue but you can't and that's when the brain starts to work um, you're literally looking for any sort of possible income but I really didn't want to fall down the bad bad road like I really wanted to stay to myself because I knew that I, I had a talent in business anyways mm. I felt like I'm such such a very like big entrepreneur when it comes to things like that um so yeah, but one thing I would definitely say is like a lot of people will not help you when you need their help. Like when it comes to that stage, I remember I was so hungry to do anything. Like, bro, let me put me onto this, bro. Let me let me do a bit of that, bro. Let me do that. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it's time for it, they weren't. People weren't forthcoming. With nah, the man, not really. Or they might say it, but they wouldn't give you the sort of as much energy. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But. That's what they say. Adversity sort of reveals all, and yeah. obviously the fact that you're here with us today, doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. is a testimony in itself, as you yeah. said. But in terms of going through that, when the doctor says you've got two decisions, be in a wheelchair or live your life, like mm-hmm. that's life changing information. That's not something that you just say. Like mm-hmm. when he said that, how did you feel? I remember obviously my mom was on the Zoom as well, and I sort of started to be quiet my voice started breaking like you know what i mean like you can tell so i just said we'll speak another day or something just i just i couldn't it was too much to process like my whole life i played football dedicated my life to it worked hard then someone told you, you can't play again like that's you might as well cut off my legs you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but i feel like when god when, when god closed one door a lot of doors open man 100 percent. people need to believe that one and definitely prayer is important to guide you. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Marcus. He's sort of someone that pushed me towards this direction. He was someone that actually wanted to help me um, when I was injured. And I appreciate him. We probably talk like every other week. And he sort of pushed me towards doing this. And yeah, this is what I do now. That's mad. So obviously, you know, you hear that devastating news. Mm-hmm. Um after that was it this is over like you knew this is there's no coming back or in the back of your mind was you thinking hmm maybe if i do a thing here i can do this um i do i always had belief you know <laughs> always had belief um because obviously there's an interesting part obviously after that when obviously i came back had my holiday with the boys i remember i had a great holiday because i just wanted to forget about i partied hard <laughs> where did you go where did you go where did you go, where did you go? <laughs> i think went to marbella you know Jeez. yeah I remember I just went there, I just wanted to have a great time. 
Um, then when I got back, back to reality, um, back to sort of everything, the hardships. And then in that period, I, I went to live out in Spain with Arvin and Largie. And that was probably one of the best decisions I made. I was there for probably on and off for like four months. Yeah. Um, and them not just welcome me like family, man. And they helped my business so much to sort of properly, intentionally reaching out to people. I'll be like, yo, my boy's doing this, helping with that. Um, obviously, just before I moved, just before I went there, sorry, um, I started the company. Um, and then so was that like a sort of mechanism to say you know what football's done now mm. that chapter's closed all focus to this yeah literally and obviously they helped me a lot with that just trying to push it out there scale it um to the next level and it sort of picked up itself you know picked up quite fast first couple of months was doing really well then plot twist i have another scan the scan says it's getting better <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm like yo what am i doing and then I remember I had a, had a chat with my agent um, and he said, like, you don't want to live life with any regrets. Imagine in the future you thought, ah, oh, I could have played football and I didn't. So something out of the blue came up that I could go to Club Bruges. Um, so I went there, lived with my boy Owen, um, Owen Otisoy, Um And that was good. I felt myself getting back. They took me in and done rehab with me. So I appreciate that. And obviously got me back to where I was fit, training, felt good, then pain again. Yeah, then I felt pain and I was like, I can't do this. I said to my agent, like, you know me as a person, I will work hard, do my best in anything I do, but hand on heart, I can't do this. And this is after the doctor told you that info? This is like six months, wait, doctor told me what, as in I can go, um, it's getting better? Yeah. Yeah, he said there's marginal improvements, yeah, but enough for me to go back. And how long ago was this? 2021. Two years. Like all October. Yeah, like October. December, October, November, 2021. So the, the pain reoccurs and you say to your agent, listen, I'm calling it a day. Well, what's the conversation? I'm quitting, I'm retiring, like, what is it? Um, in that time as well, my friend Owen was, like, leaving the club or doing his own thing, so I was sort of there with him, so it was quite premature that, and made sense around that time that I had the pain. Then we came, we both came back, then it was a thing of, what am I going to do now? Then I just said, like, but, like, weeks before that, I was seeing my pain, my hip hurts, I was told the physios there, they'd be like, we can't really help it, like, you know what I mean? Um... Then I came back and I remember I was at his house and I just said like, yo, what else can I do in this life? You know what I mean? Um, I want to keep scaling up um, and keep doing my thing. Cause me, I like nice things. Like <laughs> hand on heart, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like nice things. Mm-hmm. I need to look good, smell good, be good. You know what I mm-hmm, mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't want no pressures of having to keep up with this, keep up with that. So that's why I put in the work I do now. And bearing in mind then, my company was picking up a lot. So it kind of made a decision easy for me. Um, even though it was hard, then I just made a decision, yeah, that football's on there. So when you're going through this, because you normally hear, like, even Delhi Ali today, mm-hmm. like, footballers go through a lot. There's mental health, there's addiction, there's tablets mm-hmm. that you're taking to sort of numb the pain. 
you know, there's all that kind of stuff. So what kind of things were you going through personally? Because it must have been tough. Yeah. No, I'll definitely say I went through depression for sure. Um, even times like now when I'm at home, obviously I live with my boy Toby. Um, even times I'm just not good like with myself. Just feel, don't feel like, what's the point sometimes? But back then it was worse, you know. I was having some mad thoughts when I was back home and obviously didn't have nothing to do. Um, but I stayed strong, you know, kept God first. And he made a way. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but I, I do, my friends do say I have like bipolar for sure. Because like me, I could be so happy. And then I say, please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. um, so I feel like my friends that get me, get me. And I feel like that's why I have such a strong group of friends because they properly understand me. And it's kind of hard to make new friends in that sort of stage where like they're very close to you. Um, but I do feel like everything that happened sort of made me like that and what I'm like today. And yeah, if you don't mind me asking, like, what type of thoughts were you having? Let's say your darkest day. Like, what what was going through your mind? Was it suicidal? Was it? Because I would never say it was mm. to the point of suicidal, but it could be close. Like, you know what I mean? Where like you're thinking, like football's all I know. Mm. Like. If, if we're going off like GCSEs and stuff, like, obviously I'm, I've done the right stuff. I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was a good student. We're all smart in our family, but he was thinking like, what is there to do? And me, I like nice things. I cannot settle. You need to maintain that yeah. football lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I need to maintain and go beyond. Um, but it was, it was dark. And you know, my mum's a mental health nurse, but even she can help me. Like, is it? Wow. Yeah, because I'm a person, I sort of keep things to myself, you know. I don't want to seem weak. Um, but over the time, I've come to accept that it's good to talk, you know. Mm. People you trust. Um, yeah. I think it's very important mm. to talk about the mm. mental side because as I said today, obviously Deli Ali just yeah. done his interview and some of the stuff that he went through, the traumas. So it kind of makes you understand people, what they go through, who they are. So like, how do you think this sort of thing has changed you as a human being? How has it changed me? I definitely feel like it's helped me. Um, I do feel like you have to sort of have a good arsenal of people around you to sort of motivate you. Um, you are what you are of, of your closest six friends, you know what I mean? Mm. And I just feel like every day is just you versus you. Obviously now it's shifted from playing football. Now it's me um, making sure my health's okay. I'm studying, watching podcasts. Um, meditating praying family like i remember at, at, at a time when i was just returning back to football i made a plan of a weekly plan which i never used to do because when you're succeeding in one thing a lot of stuff jeopardize mm. um and it's much more bait now in business i can go weeks without talking to no one not my family friends you know what i mean but you hinder relationships like that so monday i'll break it down into um god family um, friends uh, what's it diet exercise I think there's one more as well if I check on my phone I might check um, and then sort of fill it up for the whole week so you don't miss out anything because you don't want to live with regrets you know mm. imagine that auntie you don't speak to something happens to her you regret it imagine you know what I mean yeah so 100 I de I'm definitely more aware of my surroundings and the people around me and yeah I just have to give big thanks to my brother for opening that light for me 
I was very stubborn before. Yeah, no, <laughs> very stubborn. No, no, big up yourself, bro. You know, your story is inspirational. I think last one on this from me is hand on your heart. Are you happy? I'll be happy when I find peace. So you haven't found peace yet? No. Why not? Remember the first question you lot said, who are you? Once I answer that, I feel like I'll be at peace, then peace, happiness. Like, I regularly have calls with my brother. I'll be like, something's not right. But I feel good. I'm scaling to the next level. I don't feel like nothing's changing, like, within me, you know? And, yeah, I definitely do feel like when I find peace, when I know exactly who I am, keep a sorry, can literally explain myself to a T, you know what I mean? Then that's when I'll be... But right now, right now, I'm a happy guy. I'm a happy guy. But I want to be extremely happy. Yeah. So, but again, do you think that stems... Have you accepted that maybe you're not going to play football? Uh, no. 60-40, I've accepted it. And that's taken like two years. Because like, it's hard. Like I don't watch football anymore. I can't watch. I can't. I definitely can't go to a stadium. Serious? Yeah. What? So would you say it's giving you like PTSD sort yeah, of thing? So that, yeah, the whole experience, the trauma. So I don't watch football. I sort of just check on Instagram, quick quick goals and stuff. But I can't sort of sit and watch a game. It's too, it's too emotional. So is it still raw? Yeah. Serious? Yeah. And it'll, it'll never not be raw. My job is to look after footballers. So it's always going to be there. So like You always hear players That have retired Sort of struggle initially Because your identity is I'm a footballer I'm John blah blah The footballer Is that something You're still kind of Wrestling with That I'm no longer Keith the footballer Mm, Kind of Kind of Mm. I do feel like It's going to take some time To sort of fully accept it Because there's there's days Where like Because now I'm like I'm so free Football gives you structure. You have a sort of relationship with the boys. You know, you have days off, holidays. Now I could do whatever. Wake up when I want. You know, I mean, sleep when I want. So now I'm sort of free, and I miss sort of that structure in my life of having that core thing which I value the most. That gives me rules, gives me intention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think if you maybe had a hundred first team appearances, you look at this differently? I'm not sure because the whole situation and trauma with it was would be hard for anyone yeah. definitely um and obviously like we've seen a lot of footballers the rates of what which retired and go bankrupt within yeah. the sort of first three to five years in any sort of sport because all, all they know all we know is football or sports you know what i mean so having to adapt to the real life is quite hard for sure it's so scary like very scary but there's different perspectives because now that you've started this career so young, mm-hmm. business, you can go for 30, 40, 50 yeah. years, whereas football, that career can be yeah. cut short quickly. No, so it's like now, definitely. So now it's, yeah, I don't know what to say, but it's, mm. it's tough, mm. man. So talk to us about, obviously, your business, if you just want to dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, so what... Um, me and myself, I've always been a proactive person. Like when we go out, I, I want to know what time was this, what time is that, what time mm-hmm. is that. Even before starting. So someone just said, point to a business. The Marcus guy I spoke to you about, which we still have a relationship with. Um, so I just started the company. Um, and then literally with the help of a friend, a few friends, it, it kept scaling up. 
but it was quite easy. I used to play football, so literally friends turn to clients, give them good service, more clients, mm. give them good service, more clients. Mm. It's very simple. So I remember within sort of the first six six months, we had probably looking after 60, 70 footballers um, and sort of taking, up, taking care of their lifestyle needs, whether it's a driver, restaurant, hotel, um, a jet, holiday planning, clothes, sort of like a, like a one-stop bus, you know what I mean? Where you just go there, everything done. Okay, so what gave you the idea? Was it your friend or did you sort of like... I kind of knew I had a knack for it, mm-hmm. but he sort of pushed me in the direction mm-hmm. to do it, yeah. Okay, so like talk to us about that first client because in a business, there's always that first one that you will always remember. First so, client. So how did it come in? So excluding the friends I know, like my first client was probably Andrew... Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was probably one of my first. And it was just so good, like, I felt like he's my boy and I can also help him and just keep getting better. Then obviously you get Adam from Andrew. Okay, um, Adam Eda. Yeah. Oh, okay. And before that, Rob was the one that got me Andrew. Rob Nizé plays out in Belgium. Okay. Yeah. Um, so sort of, the people around me, then it just kept scaling up and up and up. So it was good. So in terms, so you're basically like a middleman. So if footballers need a service, mm-hmm. they just hit you up and yeah. say, "Bro, I'm going out to this mm-hmm. country. You need yeah. a restaurant. Yeah. What are you saying? Can yeah. you pattern it, sort yeah. of thing?" My, I might have to hit you up, bro. <laughs> don't don't charge me no footballer. <laughs> yeah, but then um, so see them lot. It just sort of snowboard effect. You mm. know what I mean? keep going more and more and more and obviously it opened up doors to other things like I'll be real I'm, I, I miss them days of just starting the company because I was so hungry like I'll go to all the top hotels um, see people that dress smart speak to them say hello this is what I do is there anything you need let me know um, I'll go I'll even go to nightclubs by myself and speak to sort of footballers that I might have known be like yo I'm doing this I'm doing that and sort of you know that hunger you just wake up mm, yeah, you're out yeah. you wake up you're out and I miss that and I and that, I think that's what sort of pushes me to do more business ventures because that first sort of adrenaline rush you get is something else. Um, but I do think that it's helped me doing all of that because where I am today is because of that. And I'm so grateful I've done that. Took them risks um, to obviously not look the way I want to look today because obviously now I'm a different person. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be seen as that guy that's always out at a certain place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have to be more exclusive with where you are. But yeah, I definitely do miss that start period where just hungry to do anything. Mm, so your business is abroad as well. So what yeah. other countries do you sort of operate in? Um, mainly around Europe, mm-hmm. as in clientele, but obviously services everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, I remember at the start, which I've continued to do now, like I'll never say no to anything. If you, I remember I, sp- I spoke to one woman at Harris. She said someone in the uh, AEU family, out, out, out there, the royals, they asked for like, sand from a certain place and they mm. got it to their through their concierge and, I, and when I heard it, I was like there's no way I could say no to anything then mm. um, so yeah I just feel like you meet new contacts and you get new contacts by just always saying yes to everything mm. when is enough enough I don't think I ever stop I say personally yeah yeah I don't think I ever stop why though I love, I love it- the hustle but when do you take time out for yourself and say... That's what I'm struggling to do. That's a great question. <laughs> that is a great question. There's so many times I just feel like... 
just mm. leave my phone away for like yeah. a week and clear my but if I leave my phone for a week I think it'll be like a thousand messages like tw- like 2,000 missed calls so many emails so it's like I'm always doing this and mm. I built the company in itself that it's me I've built all so it's a personal these, brand I've built all these relationships with people I've actually taken time we've went I've been on holidays with my clients um, went to their houses spent time with them like it's proper mm. deep so it's not a thing where I can just make it a corporate company where there's 50 people, you call them, they're tired from doing that. That's, that takes away that sort of uh, USB that I have, you know what I mean? So typically, what does a day in your life look like? Right now, okay. Summer period, I go to sleep at 4.30 or 5 a.m., maybe 6 a.m. Okay, so I wake up at like 12, have all my vitamins... Actually, let me not sound <laughs> too cliche when when I talk about this, but I do wake up, have my vitamins, coffee, green tea. I mean, green sort of drink with all the sort of nutrients mm. you need. Um, head down to the gym, do a session. Then I'm just on my phone. Like work just comes. Need a driver. Okay, cool. Need a hotel. Okay, cool. Um, need 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 you to connect me to a mortgage broker. Okay, cool. Need you to do this. You know what I mean? It's just it's just ever flowing. And then there's the night before I even go to sleep, I check my phone. Who have I not spoke to in a while? I text them. Just have general chat, you know? How are you? So just text that. them. So by the time you wake up in the morning, they've already messaged you that you pick it up. Yeah, yeah I read that. Um, I've been doing that literally like two, three times a week for like the past couple of years. So make sure you keep a relationship with everyone. No, it's important. I respect that. I respect uh, that. Um, yeah, so we just want to move on to life outside of business usually it's life outside of football <laughs> but what what does Keith like getting up to in his downtime downtime me some people say I'm like outside because like <laughs> out here man let's see you're out here your instant popping off <laughs> no because me I'm a person if you tell me to do something I'm not going to say no mm. like you can call me and say let's go Australia tomorrow I'll say cool send me the flight deals like, I'm so <laughs> outgoing and mm. especially with, if it's with the right crowd you know my boy calls me so Definitely, I'm an outgoing person, but then like when I'm out, I could just be myself. Like it's weird. Mm-hmm. People say that I'm weird because I can go out, have fun. Then I need need time to myself and block my phone. I need to just relax downtown. Then I back up. You know what I mean? That's why I say yeah. my friends say I buy for a lot in that sense. So it's that yin and the yang, yeah, basically. Like, or maybe I'll go out and then I'll see someone that brings back oh my past mm. memories and stuff, and I'll be like, oh okay. Then I bring myself back up. Yeah. I think that's it. I like obviously spending time with my friends. Like, there's nothing better than just all your friends come in the house. You have food mm. and just talk about life. You can talk mm. about so many things. Just appreciate that. Uh, like going out, and I like working as well. I actually love what I do. So, in terms of like your businesses, I know we're talking about life outside the business. Mm-hmm. But what other interests have you got? Because I know you have got your concierge company that's doing very, very oh, well. Yeah, yeah. What's something else that you've got your eye on? That, mm, in the future, I might have to dabble in that. No, I feel I feel like there is definitely a diverse portfolio to myself. The concierge allows me to pick at the best ones in there. So there is definitely a few things I'm looking to do just about whether it's right. So um, tackle more the jewelry. Yeah, which is definitely something I'm looking to do uh, very soon. Um, and I feel like maybe transportation, I something around that, and also an app, and also another <laughs> yeah. app. Like I have so many ideas in my head. Like mm. I can't fail. 
You saying you don't, you don't want to get into podcasting? <laughs> nah. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll probably ask questions and leave. Then <laughs> what about music? What, what are you rocking with? What, what are you listening to at the minute? What's the playlist? Music, music. Oh, right now it's I'm a piano. It's, Is it? It's going crazy. It's like, serious. I can't like when I'm in the shower, you got a little dance. Like me, I like to dance. You know? Yeah. So I just play it. I'm a piano. Do, do you um, know about Danky Sounds? No, what's that? It's like a, a piano sort of like day party oh. popping off. I'm gonna have to see Keith there. I'll just see Keith there. Yeah, see him on Instagram, busting <laughs> a few shapes. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, anything else other than my piano, or it, it ends there at the minute? Can I check my playlist? Yeah. You, yeah. you know what's funny? You've been itching to look at your phone, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That's how you know, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so I told you, I've been chilling out. I have 104 notifications. Wow. Yes, yeah, so this is just normal. Um, what am I listening to right now? I have two playlists. Like mm. one which is just like sort of what's what's around. I then have sort of a a deep one where like it's personal songs or certain situations or unless everything like if you shuffle my phone you could probably mm. go from Adele to Lil Baby to mm. to a bit I'm a piano to Stormzy to Rema yeah. it's even Labyrinth Bastille I have everything in here me I have music for the moods I'm in innit? Yeah. so I feel like it's just that my favourite artist I have one. Burn the boy, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me check that. You go to his. Um, did you go to his concert? I've been to one of the concerts, not, not the recent one, one before okay. that. But Burn the boy is something else. Who do I listen to the most? Ooh, and I'm lying. My my favorite artist uh, Omaleo. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a funny. That's a different. Yeah, because people yeah, go yeah. for the main ones, the yeah, Burner yeah. Boys, Ashake, Whiskey, Davido. No, that's a, yeah. that song. Understand? Yeah, uh, yeah, one of the yeah, one of the modes, the goats. Like, that 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 song's a banger. That song's crazy. So you're 22, very very young, mm-hmm. and to like do what you're doing, mm-hmm. I think it's commendable, bro. So, um, what's your goals for the future? goals in what aspect so in terms of like life business business probably diversify but but with purpose you know not just whilst i'm doing this like i actually have this i actually have this so i have a big love for food um i love cooking I even have a YouTube channel. I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw a YouTube. Oh, yeah, the obviously. chicken cooking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it marinating that chicken in my side. it well, it tastes good. But um, I definitely want to do something around that, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a shisha, definitely something mm. will be done. Um, what else is there? Um, well, one thing I want to say as well, when when I like sort of meditate, I manifest a lot of stuff in it. So I'm at a point now where I've manifested most of the things I want to do. So it's like I need to sort of replan, reset goals. And I'm in that period now. I had a chat with my brother yesterday about that. We set some sort of short-term goals. But long-term, it's definitely something I want to work on. Obviously, business-wise, I have that. But I feel like I need to set more hard relationships with a lot of people around me, which I've, I've been doing from like the start of the year, like properly, properly implementing it. Um, but long term, just be happy. Be oh. Happy. Um, wake up with a good purpose, and then that's it. No, I love that man. I think 
we'll be get, we'll be doing this podcast at this service if we don't talk about fashion mm-hmm. because you see you're getting shy because <laughs> we know you're about your drip no, I like me I just like to look good you know look good feel good talk good mm. like me I'm not a shy guy if I go out and I see sort of footballers or people I can connect with I'm going over to talk to you I'm saying yo or not even yo I'm like hi how are you doing <laughs> <laughs> you have to adapt I know yeah, to adapt yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah no no so that's very important because yeah. mm. I have my clients lists range from like every sort of occupation I mean so it's important to be able to speak to them um, but yeah fashion I love my best friend like one of my best friends is um, a stylist so okay. personal shopper stylist so it's quite easy to know what's what, what, what's new what's trending mm. one of my other friends owns a sneaker store um, so. yeah, very well connected yeah, yeah, like, yeah, very yeah, very yeah. well connected so anything you need you know <laughs> what, this guy, yeah. Yeah, anything not not just clothes by the way just okay anything. just what's up and that's it no yeah, but fashion I love I even like make my fits before I go, go and pick colour okay copy and paste it then buy it, done, until next, until mm. next. So what brands, what brands are you rocking with at the minute? Everyone's rocking that Rude thing. Rude, <laughs> yeah. Rude. Yeah, I have a little bit. Um, I love <laughs> Rick Owen. Okay. They're nice. Um, what else? LV obviously is just always yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Especially now for a while. Well, Burberry, gonna... Burberry's come back as well. Have you? Nah, man, I don't really no, rock You're not rocking, that, no. Nah. I, I, I do appreciate it, but mm. not really. Um, and then I sort of want to go for brands which no one really wears, but mm. it's lit. You know what I mean? Um, there's a brand called Bode. That's a very nice sort of yeah. things that they make. Um, what other brands are there? There's how, I don't know how to say it. Like Louis Louis Yeah, spelled L O E W E. Yeah, it's quite nice. Okay. There's some nice pieces. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but that's the sort of stuff I want to go yeah. for. Because yeah. I remember, I'm, even my, my friend at personal shop, I'd be like, oh, he's worn it, I don't want to wear it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. want that exclusivity, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. So people are looking at Keith, oh, what's he rocking, yeah. man? I yeah, need to get yeah. that, I can't find it. Uh, I can't. 100%. Find... Yo, bro, what track is this? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> this track is cold. What no, track this, is this? This is from Genius. Okay. Uh, I'm quite close to them over there, so I just saw it, so it was lit. Genius, if you're watching, if you don't mind sending us yeah, some freebies, send us genius they're the best for the jeans, man. Their jeans okay. are crazy. I feel like they, they supply everyone. Mm. Yeah, they're good, man. Last one from me. You're going on date night with the missus. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? No missus? Or? I would not have a missus. All right. uh, you're going on date night with a new spice that, okay. that you've, you've linked up with. <laughs> Mayfair out there. What's the outfit of choice? Uh, number one, I wouldn't go on a date in Mayfair. Okay. Too bad. Um, if it's a date, I probably want to go to another country or something. Jeez. Boy, you're on that flying out today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you got that bread, <laughs> yo. <laughs> no, but I don't remember the last time I've been on a date, to be, to be fair. I don't remember. Like, proper date. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't remember. Maybe like Shisha and that, but... But on a date now, I just I'll probably just wear what I normally wear. I don't really change for no one, you know. Jeez. Just put it on and leave the house. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Take any more? No, I'm good. Mm. I just want to say thanks for coming on, bro, and sharing your story. No, and as we said before, we always want to like talk to everyone in football, whether that's players that are playing now, retired, and stuff like that. And especially your journey to mm. see that you've come out the other side. Because some people, they won't be able to recover with the fact that they can't play football. But you've used that as fuel to like take onto your journey and crack the next thing you're doing. So big mm-hmm. up, bro. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
Thank you, man. I feel like um, when people tell me that, it sort of hits me, you know, like, well, you're actually doing well because I'm always in sort of survival mode. I, mm-hmm. I really work hard. Well, I like to think I work hard, you know what I mean? So it's good to, it's good to have sometimes when people say that. Because, like, injuries, it can leave, like, a devastating mm. mark on people that they're not the same after it and mm. they're sort of defined by that episode. But as I said, you've come out and you're very young, you're 22. Like, no. it's, yeah, you're doing your thing, bro. So keep up, man. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming here today. Um, We've got a closing tradition on this podcast okay. where we ask the guest that's been grilled and <laughs> I would say grilled. I'm going to say grilled. I'm going to go grilled, grilled by us to recommend a guest in football that would be a good fit for this platform. Oh, I'll definitely say Arvin. Arvin. He plays out in Spain. Al Maria. Um, yeah. Because he's a very bubbly guy. Make you not laugh all day. Um, yeah, I would say him. Um, we're going to leave it there that's another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast until next time over and out peace Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.